You know, America is a free country. It's not always a fair country, but we are free. We are free. And you go to any nation in the world and you find out what freedom really looks like, and it looks like America. But I will say that God's kingdom culture, because every nation has a culture. Every single place you go to, you go to the south side of the city, it's got a culture. North side has a culture. East side uh, has a culture. West side, so on. And anywhere you go in the world, you're going to have a culture. Well, God's kingdom culture is much better than man's. It's, it's set up better. It's equity is better. It's flow is better. Um, it's benefits are way better. And the word says that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So sometimes you may not always feel the freedom you like to feel, um, even in the greatest nation of the world, which we don't have a lot of complaints. We shouldn't anyways. But even then, there's something higher. And that thing that's higher has been set up by God that if anybody who comes to him, the Bible says, whom the Son sets free then, is free indeed, completely sets you free. And I was thinking about that. I always think about Independence Day during this time of year, about the independence that God gives us, the freedom that God gives us. And I was thinking about how I had grown up and in my life and, and, and then really, really just going off into the world and living a life of sin and trying my best to find some peace and solace there. But because I've been raised as a Christian my, my whole life and really had given my life to the Lord at one point and really being backslidden, I knew the difference. And so I felt as if I stuck out like a sore thumb, if I could say it that way, um, like I knew I wasn't getting away with anything. So I put on a happy face, um, but to be honest with you, I knew that I was bound. It's an interesting thing that most people don't know they're bound until they find Christ. And when they find Christ, he sets you free. And when he sets you free, now all of a sudden you go, wow, what I thought was my freedom and my independence and what I wanted to do and therefore it was something I enjoyed, I didn't enjoy it all. It was just, just, just flesh and it was things that led to death. And um, I was thanking God because when I, when I gave my life back to the Lord in 1989, um, I, I can't explain it to you except, and it's hard to explain salvation to people because it just is, but in the natural, it literally felt like or looked like the sky was bluer. I can't explain that. It was like everything was in technicolor. Like I could hear the birds cheap chirping. I could, the grass was greener and life literally felt like it had meaning and purpose and hope. Where before, it just, I was living for myself. How many can understand what I'm saying? And it's difficult to tell that to somebody. That's why we have to live our lives as free people and not people that are victimized because that's a choice. We make choices in life of how we live. When they see our freedom, they're really drawn to us. And, and people have been drawn to me over the years. I bet to you as well because of that freedom that you had in, in Christ. And so I was thanking him. But interestingly enough, um, it wasn't too much longer after that freedom came that the enemy came. I didn't know it was the enemy because one thing he hates is your independence. One thing he hates is your freedom in Christ. You're free. 
You're not bound anymore by him, by his rules and regulations and so on. In other words, you were deceived, thinking that that jail cell was all life had. And it's pretty good. We can just put up with it. Didn't know there was a whole world waiting for us out here. And wasn't too much longer the enemy came and began to put condemnation on me. And the condemnation was I wasn't good enough. Maybe I cussed that week and oh, I'm a bad Christian. Or maybe, you know, maybe I did certain things and he put it on me and said, you know, if you really love God, you wouldn't have done that. Yeah, you're probably right. And what he would do is he put me back in chains, put me back in that jail cell of what I like to call of condemnation. So in other words, I wasn't never going to be good enough. And then when I realized I'm really never going to be good enough. And I never was, and he still died for me. While I was yet in my sin, he loved me that much to set me free prior to all my sin, all my problems, all my mistakes. Man, that's when I recognize and realize the true freedom that I have in Christ. And anytime I get back in that place of condemnation, I said, no, that's not, that's not where I belong. That's where God called me to be. So today, my message is titled, Freedom Culture. Father, we love you. We thank you so very much, Lord God, for your precious anointing felt in this place as the worship team did such a spectacular job in ushering us into your presence, Lord God. You are here. You're in this place, but you're also, Lord God, going through the airways and touching people through their devices and their television screens, even now. And we give you praise for that, Lord God. Today's a great day. Today's a day we celebrate the independence uh, that we have uh, as Americans from other nations of the world. And we give you praise for such a great nation, Lord God. We lift up our nation during these times where there's such division and such problems. And, and, and Lord God, almost, um, almost a feeling of uh, uh, not belonging, Father God. Lord, I pray right now that that spirit be broken in Jesus' name. And Lord God, that we would arise as the people you called us to be in this nation called the church. Lord, and be all that you called us to be, Father God, while we have our freedom, while we still can speak loud and spare not, Father God. I thank you for that voice that we have in Jesus' precious name. We love you, Lord, and we give you praise. Bless this word, we pray. And everybody said amen, amen. and amen. All right, let's, let's look over at 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? It's not a trick question. What does it say? Our faith. Let's read it together so we all have it. Ready? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. All right. Let me make this statement. Faith is required to operate on that level. So when we're talking about the culture of God's kingdom or receiving God's promises that the Bible already says is yes and amen to us, it's going to take, um, it's going to take our faith to operate on that level to receive it. And by the way, you don't need a ton of it. You just need a mustard seed size of it. And it literally changes everything in your life. So you can have the keys. I'll put it to you this way. You can have the keys, but if you don't know where the door is, it, you can never enter in. And so faith is being able to operate in the realm that, yes, I've been given the keys. I've got what Jesus said. I got his promises. But faith now locates the door. 
so that I know I can walk into that world or walk into that realm. Matter of fact, there's a woman I was just listening to. Um, ah, I don't have her name right now, but uh, this is impromptu. But I was just I was thinking about her just now, and she was talking about heaven and that the Lord has taken her in into heaven on several different occasions, and that. She was saying that people can operate on that level of entering into heaven, whether it be a, a real experience or a dream or a vision where God speaks to you in that realm. And she says it all hinges on your faith. If you believe it's possible, there will become a time in your life where it will happen. Like anything else, everything that's been everything's been lined up for good that God has given to us as has to be received first by faith. So how does a believer... The Bible says we're supposed to overcome the world. So how does the believers actually overcome the world? I really believe that it starts with knowing who you are in Christ. Everything starts with uh, that level of understanding of who you are. Then I operate in a, in a level of faith that really, honestly, I never knew I could. But if I don't know who I am, if I'm always in that condemnation mode of feeling like I'm just a little jerk, I've, you know, I messed up this week, whatever, I'll never attain that kind of level. So the first way it starts to overcome the world is knowing who you are. Let's look at Psalms chapter 8, verse number 3. It says this, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Now, by the way, that word angels, you might have it in your Bibles. Sometimes I'll have a little letter next to it and it'll drop down. It'll give you the actual meaning of the name angel. And that word is not translated, supposed to be translated like angels, like the angels of God, but actually Elohim himself. Okay, so you're made a little lower than God and the angels actually, even though they're not under you per se, they're under God, they work on your behalf because they do the bidding of the word of the Lord. So when you pray and decree like we did on Thursday night, but by the way, Thursday night was hot, hot, hot. God's moving, amen, and very prophetic and profound. So when we speak the word of the Lord, angels go on assignment. Angels were here Thursday, angels are here today, amen. And they work on our behalf. For you have made him a little lower than Elohim, and you crowned him, talking about you and me, mankind, with glory and with honor. Everybody say glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion. Say dominion. Over the works of your hands. I consider well that your fingers have made all these things, your hands have made those things, and now you've given me dominion over all the works of your hands. Everything I can see, everything I can perceive, you've given me dominion over those things. Let that settle in you right now to let you know a little bit about who you really are. And if this is true, then why do we settle for second, third, and 55th best? Why are we not settling for number one? Amen. When God put us in that position, he said, you put all things under his, your, and my feet. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, in Genesis, God gives man dominion. We see it right off the bat. Uh, we were created, according to the scriptures, to dominate and to rule everything that God has put in our sight. Everything God put in our place. He said, I give you dominion to dominate and to rule. It says this. It says, let them have dominion. Let them have authority. Or that word dominion means supreme authority. Okay? So I want to tell someone here today, you were created to rule and not cower. Amen, somebody. You were created to decree and not bow. 
You were created to regulate and not fear. Somebody say amen. This is a part of your independence day. This is a part of your freedom, letting you know who you are. So when the devil tries to come up against you and tell you one thing, and you start saying, well, you know, maybe that's true. No, 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 you recognize, remember, I was put here to dominate. I was put here to dominion. And it's not about having dominion over somebody else. It's about having dominion and control over my circumstances, over my destiny, over my purpose, and over the devil. Somebody say amen. Did God make Satan and everything, all of his uh, demonic foes? Yes, he did. They all had a choice. They all fell. And God says, I gave you dominion over all the works of my hand. And when God said, let them, say "Let let them. Let them. Let them. He handed at that point over his rulership to man. Let them have dominion and authority. Let them be fruitful and multiply. God hands over the keys. God hands over that authority. God is a God of integrity and the words that he speaks are not words that come to comfort alone, but they actually become laws and principles by which everything is hinged upon. Somebody say amen. So when he spoke gravity, gravity became gravity, and gravity still works. Somebody say, thank God. Or we all be floating in the air. Amen. Right? Why? Because when he speaks something, it has law to it. It has order to it. And it cannot be changed, and it cannot be annulled. He says what he means. Genesis 1.26. Here we go. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. When he says our, who's he talking with? The Bible says that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world, right? So we know that the God the Father was there. We know Jesus was slain for the foundation of the world, so he was already, Jesus already knew his purpose. He was there, and the Bible says the Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the deep, the waters. So we know he was there, right? So all three were there. Now, they're not three gods, Amen, somebody. There's not three gods. There's only one God with three parts. Amen. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them. Everybody say, let them. Let them, there's the passing of the baton, have dominion over the fish, the sea, or the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God was passing on to man his rule of authority on earth. It was not man's idea. It was God's idea. It was God's plan. Someone might say, well, wait a minute now. Uh, God is sovereign. He can do whatever he likes, to which I say absolutely. That's why he said, let them, let them. Had he not said let them, he could take it back at any time. But when God said let them have dominion, he fully, 100% gave all control to man. That's why you can't blame God for all the hunger in the world. He gave you power. He gave you authority. He gave you dominion. He said, feed them. 
can't blame God for sickness and disease. God didn't put it on the earth. That came through the curse because of man's disobedience. But then he says, now you go lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. I'll bless you. I'll anoint you. Just go. Somebody say amen. God gives you the authority. Quit blaming God for the authority he gave you. Y'all like to thank God. Thank God he gave me a brand new car. Look at the Lord did for me. Praise God. I got a brand new car and you got the radio up high and it's July and the, and the windows are down and you got your lean on. Come on, somebody. Or you lean. I don't know how you like to lean. I lean this way. Some of y'all like to lean this way. Whatever. And you're feeling pretty good. Look what the Lord has blessed. Amen. Well, watch this. It's wonderful feeling, right? But I'm going to tell you something about the Lord. He's not going to have you. Now, watch this. Watch what I should say. I'm going to say there. He's not going to go down from heaven and go and clean your car up for you. He's not going to wipe the dust off. He's not going to clean your rims. He's not going to send it to the car wash. He gave you dominion. He gave you authority. You can't say, Lord, come on now. Get my, I need my car needs to be detailed really bad. He said, you get the French fries out of them carpet in the back seat. Amen. He gives you power and authority. So if them are in trouble and them don't allow God to help, them got real big problems. So God has to be allowed entrance. But he can do what he wants, Pastor. I said yes, except for when it comes to the affairs of man because he gave you power. We kick God out of our schools. And then we wonder, this is back in the 50s and 60s, and then we wonder why teen pregnancy is at an all-time high. Why abortion amongst these kids are at an all-time high. Why violence in our schools and school shootings and stabbings are at an all-time high. Why kids are committing suicide right here in our own city like crazy is at an all-time high. Why, why, we see, why we see gender confusion and sexual identity issues at an all-time high. And we wonder why. We kicked them out. He says, okay, let them have dominion. Let them have authority. I heard my friend Jesse Duplantis preach one time, and, and he was preaching. He says, well, everybody says God's in control. He says, no, he's not. And everyone went, oh. I did it just like him, too. Oh. Like Jesse Duplantis, he's wonderful. And um, who has never heard of Jesse Duplantis? Let me see your hand real quick. Okay, a few of you. We used to have him here. We're going to have him back. He's awesome. Look him up. They call him the Raging Cajun. He's amazing. He's got white hair. He's an older man now, but he's still got fire in his belly, man. Him and Kathy still have fire. I love this man. Anyways, and he said, God is not in control. And everybody gasped. He said, if God was in control, this earth would be doing exactly as he likes it. Exactly as he pleases he said, but the world is out of control because God is not in control. And the reason why God is not in control, and I'm preaching better than he did, praise God. The reason why God's not in control is because man has not allowed God to come into their world and society to fix the problem. Now, he uses us to do it, but he had, man has not allowed, we'll fix it. We don't need you. And we've adopted humanistic society and we'll do it ourselves 
bunch of Tower of Babel builders we are. That's a message by itself. So God gave us, church, he gave us authority to fix problems with his help and strategy. It's our responsibility to take care of our nation. It's our responsibility to take care of our city and our families. God is not going to fix anything without you. You are his hands. You are his feet. That's why we're called the body of the body of Christ in the earth. Why would he call the body of Christ? He's empowered us as himself, right? To do what he did and greater works than these shall we do. Not as an individual. I'll never do greater works than Christ. Neither will you. But the church, millions of us, billion of us on planet earth, we can get the job done. He's not coming off of the throne to fix your problem. He said, he, said, he said, the word of faith is near you. In your mouth, in your heart, the word of faith which we preach. God's not coming up from the, from the abyss. He's not coming down from above, the Bible says. He put the word in you. And when you speak the word and when you do the word, it's when God goes into action. It's the freedom culture. He's set you free to be as him in the earth. And Jesus said, it's not me, it's the Father in me. He does the work. Get a revelation that everywhere you go, the Father is with you. He is in you. And Jesus said, if you want to know the secret to my success, it's the Father does the work in me. What was he saying? He's saying through me. Yes, I do it. Yes, I speak it. Yes, I'm preaching it. Yes, I'm laying hands. But it's him. It's his power. It's his anointing. Jesus was willing to give God permission to work through him every single day of his life. He got up and he prayed, whether it be in the valley or on top of the mountains. Most of the time he tried to take a trek to the mountain if he could to be away from it all. But he received uh, instruction from the Father and said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. In the garden, did God slap the forbidden fruit out of Adam and Eve's hand? Did he go and I, how dare you? You just about disobeyed me. No, he gave man power and dominion to make a choice. He said, you have all the freedom you want. You can obey me or you can disobey me. Think about what he did there. It's not his decision. It's your decision. Amen. And that goes for every area of your life. Quit saying, well, Lord, I wish you would have told me about this man you gave me because if you would have told me, I'd have never married him or I'd have never married her. No, you're not miserable because God didn't tell you. Nobody could tell you. Your aunt couldn't tell you. Your uncle couldn't tell you. You were smarter than everybody else. You made the decision. Had you, had you backed off a little bit and gave a span of time to seek God and fast and pray and bring it to some of your elders and pastors to pray with you about it, I guarantee you, you might have saw it in a different light. Amen. I guarantee you might have. That would not have worked. I guarantee you would have seen it. Praise God. Sometimes the way I talk cracks me up. Amen. Double negative. All right. Let's go to Matthew 18, verse 18. Uh, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, whatever, there you go, 
Miss Robin, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you loose in heaven will both be bound, uh, loose on earth will both be bound in heaven and loosed in heaven. So whatever I do happens. So heaven is going to respond to what you do. Not waiting for God, for him. I got a friend, I love my friend. He's a great guy, he's a minister and all this kind of stuff. He's gone through a tough time in his life. And, and I've talked to him on several occasions and tried to do it gingerly, but you gotta be honest about it too. Well, I'm just waiting for God to do something. I said, no, 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 you can't do that. What, what do you mean? I mean, and they give you all the reasons why. And they'll even give you some scripture to back it up, you know, wait on the Lord and all this kind of stuff. That's not what that means. No, what, what God is, what, when God gives you a purpose and a plan, you might have pitfalls. You might have times that looks like setbacks. You might end up in a trap or two along the way, but he doesn't change his mind about where he sent you. So it's not up to him to get you up in the morning to get you on the right track. You already know what you're supposed to do. You got to pick yourself up and watch this. Here we go. Entering in another level by faith. Not by my emotion or my feeling or how I, I mean, I feel really godly today. Praise God. I'm going to do great things for the Lord today. Because guess what? Most days you don't wake up feeling godly. Let's be honest. Most Christians wake up, like probably me, feel ungodly. Until we have one cup of coffee. Praise God. I'm feel a little bit, a little bit of the God factor. Starts getting, I feel pretty good about it. Outlook is beginning to change a little. Sometimes you just need a little help. Praise the Lord from your friend, Mr. Coffee, right? Am I, am I right? And my point to you is this, is that you're not supposed to wait on God when it comes to that, when it comes to who you are, where you're going. No. You wait on God for your mates. You wait on God for different things like that, of course. But you do take necessary steps to get those things, even those things in order. No. God's waiting on you. He's waiting on your faith. He's waiting for you to step out. That's why prayer is so important because prayer is constantly, watch this, moving your faith in the right direction. And number two, it's constantly giving God permission to step into your life. Why do I give God permission? Because he gave me dominion authority. I can make up my mind today, right now, walk away from the ministry. I'm done with it. I'm through with it. I just want something to do in the world. Give me, I'll be a CEO of a company or I'll flip burgers, whatever. But I'm going to go do something different. And now I'm walking away from my purpose and my destiny. Am I not? God didn't make me do that. Even the devil can't make me do that. I made a decision to do that, right? So the only way I get back online is God, God will not stop me. He'll not say, no, you will not. And, and put me in some sort of supernatural hold and, and then take me to church every Sunday and I'll preach what I tell you. Open your... He's not going to do that. I can make up my mind. It would be a travesty for me to walk outside of my destiny just like it is for you. But I can until I say, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I need you to help me. Would you please show me what I'm supposed to do next? Would you please help me? I need some encouragement today. And you will be amazed at what God begins to line up for you, right? Because I'm allowing him into my life. But he said, now, son, I gave you the, I gave you the encouragement. I gave you the word. I even sent a prophetic person to speak a word over you. I even gave you a brand new job or whatever it was. Now, walk in it. I can't make, it, I can't make the decisions for you. I can open doors because you allowed me in, but you still have to, by faith, walk it out. Second Kings, 
uh, the enemy was coming after Hezekiah with a whole host, army host, to take him out. And he'd heard about this, and it was very intimidating. He heard the words that the king of Assyria had said, the Bible says, and it freaked him out. And how many knows that you can't talk the enemy out of your destruction? You're not going to be nice to him one day. You know, would you mind, you know, just give me a break here? The, the devil don't work like that. The enemy doesn't work like that. But there's another way. Second Kings 19 says in verse, verse 5, so the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. All right? So Hezekiah was in fear until he received a word from God. And the word from God began to build faith in him, which took out the fear. The enemy will always say something to you, church, that will try to get you in your emotions and out of your faith. He'll do something, bring somebody along that you respect and say, you shouldn't be doing that. But you know God told you to do it. Or you'll hear somebody that maybe uh, that was on the radio or on um, podcasts or, or internet and, and someone you respect and they'll say something and, and you go, well, you start getting confused because they said to do something different. Now all of a sudden you're going, you start second guessing what God's told you to do. Or somebody just flat out just front, fronts you off and says something you don't want to hear. And you get all, all in your emotions about it. That's why when you pray, You've got to check your emotions at the closet door. One of the things we taught, and this isn't so much for prayer, but it moves right into it. We've always taught our praise and worship uh, people, uh, whether they be musicians or singers, is you have to check your emotions at the door. We know you have issues. We know you have problems today or this week, but they did too. Our job, because we've been elevated, come on, elevated to be able to be people who are ushering people into the presence of God, we'll pray with you privately, but you can't wear your emotions on your vocal cords, on your face, or on your sleeves. You can't be like, great is the Lord, great is the Lord. You can't do that because everybody sees right through that, right? And what it does is it's saying that you're not really ready for ministry yet because ministry always checks the emotions at the door. I can't tell you how many times I've been doing this for 30 plus years. I cannot tell you how many times I've been up here and preached myself happy because I wasn't happy. Now, you say, well, that's the anointing. Yes, I believe that's true. But the word, just hearing myself say the word and, and speak the word. And as I'm preaching to you, I feel like I'm preaching to myself. Some of my greatest sermons to you that you went nuts over. I was shouting harder than you were on the inside. Hey, man, that is correct. This guy is a man of God. I'm not kidding you. I, I, I get shocked sometimes. Other times I'm, I'm very ready. But, you know, the older you get, the more you don't, you don't have to worry about your emotions as much as you're just more mature in the things of God. But it does happen from time to time. Amen. So you check your emotions at, the, at your closet door before you go in to speak with God. Because we spend most of our time talking about, how much time do I have, by the way? We're good. It's most of your time we start talking about how much we need God because this is going on in my life. And basically it becomes a half hour complaining session. And we're treating God like he's Santa Claus. 
And then we take it to the next level. We do. We really treat God like he said. We take it to the next level. And then we, we believe that we can only receive from him if we've been good, naughty, or nice. He's got a naughty or nice list. And we feel like we've been naughty most of the time. Amen. So then we just basically throw ourselves on his mercy. Oh, God, I know I haven't been right. But if you could just give me this favor, right? That's how we pray. Uh, not well, you, but most people pray that way. Or they find themselves praying that way. That's not how you go to God in prayer. Oh, it's okay to get your emotions out of the way. But that should, it should not end there. It's okay to be intimate with God. Obviously, it's okay to be intimate with God. And there are emotions you will find yourself moving into with, those, with, with being intimate with God. But that's not what's moving the Lord. I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about you rather praying emotionally. You're beginning to pray the word of God, which is the will of God. And by faith, you're moving God in the scene. What's greater faith? What's greater faith? Think about it. If faith really moves God and moves mountains and is what we need, is required, what's greater faith? Go in your prayer closet, tell him how bad life has been, and then beg him for a miracle? Maybe he'll pity me because he sees all my tears and they're real and I really need him. Or does that, is that, now watch this, we're praying to God, we can't see him, so I guess there's some faith in that, right? But how much faith, is, what's the difference in faith? Going in with I'm all in my emotions, I want to scream, God, this isn't fair. God, this isn't right. I need a miracle today. But instead I say, Lord, I love you, I trust you, and according to your word, this is what you promised me. And I'm standing on your word today and believing that there's a turnaround coming in my life. Hallelujah. That's where faith is. That's the true test of faith. Going to God and not bellyaching, not crying, not uh, uh, murmuring and complaining. And then we start praying about other people too. We ain't interceding though. Lord, you know they did me wrong, Lord. You know they hurt me. Get them, Jesus. Amen. That's your emotions talking. That's not faith. You know what faith does? Faith does what Jesus says and said, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who spitefully use you. I feel a shout coming on. That'll do it. Because that's faith. That's what brings the freedom culture we're talking about. Mark eleven twenty four says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, desire, when you pray, do what? Believe. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That scripture right there, Mark eleven twenty four, church, ought to get in your spirit, write it down, practice it every single day. Whatever you ask, believe that you, let me read it to you this way. Whatever you desire, believe you already have them and you will have them. Believe you received them is really what it's saying. Believe you already got, believe God's already answered. God has already supplied all my need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And you will have them instead of complaining about what I don't have, complaining about my, what my nation doesn't have. How come I can't get no amens in here now? Amen. We can't keep playing the blame game. Amen. 
Blaming is only going to keep you a victim and keep you in the same cycle over whether it's a victim of your circumstances, the victim of your government, the victim of the world, whatever it's going to be. It'll keep you in the same cycle. The way you break out of the cycle is finding the good who is God and saying, Lord, whatever you say that I am. Since when, since when does somebody age or gender or color their skin or educational background or, or money that they have in the bank account stop God from doing what he said he'd do? We can't get to Mark eleven twenty four. believe we receive them and have them until we actually believe we receive them. What's the end game if I'm going to complain every single time? What's the end game if I'm going to blame every single time? Well, I'm going to get the victory over my enemies. And then what? How does that change you? How does that change your circumstance? It is nothing but a game that the enemy runs on people to get them in the same cycle over and they never get out of it. Amen. God will always, church, back the integrity of his word. Not. He, does, he is in no way obligated to back our emotions. I've cried some pretty good tears. And I'm telling you, it doesn't move him. Why? Well, we go back to Genesis. He gave you power and authority. He's waiting for you to stand up. Get a backbone. Amen. And fight. And don't let go. Stay positive. Stay in the word of God. Everything's going to be all right. All is well with my soul. God backs his word and not emotions. If you ever violated his word, the whole universe would reel out of control. Why, where do you get that from? The word of God says, the worlds were framed by the word of God. Everything God said was framed. God framed everything we, are, we can see by his word. If he, if he ever takes anything back, everything's out of control. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Isn't that wonderful to know that when we pray, he actually listens to us? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. I already know. I know before I start praying that he's going to hear me. I know before I start praying that what I ask, he's going to deliver on. It may not be in the time frame I would like it to be. It may not, but I'll tell you what time frame it would be in. Perfect. The perfect time frame. So again, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. The culture is that, of well, the kingdom culture is that we affect the goings on from earth in heaven. So again, prayer is the key. That's how you do it. That's how you reach God. And by the way, when you don't want to pray for us, you ought, like we did a lot on Thursday, pray in the Holy Ghost. You'll see me do that a lot. Um, uh, during prayer time because that's how I, that's, I don't know how else to connect any better. I can pray in my, my, my known language for a long time, feel like I have a vein of what God was saying and doing, but when I pray in the Holy Spirit or sing in the Spirit, which is kind of my go-to prophetically, then that begins to initiate a response of faith inside of me because I don't know what I'm saying, but then I feel the anointing. See, that's by faith. Everything I'm doing is by faith. Old-time folks used to wait. They would tarry for the Holy Ghost 
And so they were taught to tarry. And then when they finally got the Holy Ghost and they would begin speaking tongues, they thought every time, the next time they spoke, they'd have to have that same feeling again. Or they wouldn't speak. They felt it was disrespectful. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. Once I have it, I operate that gift by faith. I can turn it on right now if I wish to because I do it by faith. Well, you might look foolish. probably going to look foolish to some people. But I operate in faith. I don't operate with my reason. Somebody say amen to that. And that's what moves God, okay? Uh, getting to the end here. Psalms chapter 115, verse 16 says, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Can't make it any more plain than that. He gave it to you. So God created us to dominate. Mark 16 shows us this kind of authority. In verse 17 says, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues and take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Mark 1.40 says, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. He touched that man physically, church, physically. We are going to have to understand that God has done what he's going to do. He did it on the cross 2,000 years ago. All authority now has been given back and granted to us. What we've got to do now is get engaged. That man was healed because Jesus got engaged and touched him and he was healed. Last place, Romans 16, 14. And I will say this, church, did you know huh, that we have, even have dominion over sin? says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. We are free. Everybody say, we are free. You've got dominion over sin, and you've got the right, when you've got the right image of yourself, because image is everything, there's nothing that will be held back from you. I'm reminded of the time that the, the, um, the, the um, children of Israel were told that they were go to go into the promised land. God gave them a word of promise. But 10 came back and said, we're not able. Two came back and said, we are able. This is leadership, by the way. <laughs> and and um, they said that we were like grasshoppers in their sight. They had the wrong image of who they were. But the other two said, not so. If God before us, who can be against us? Let us go in at once and we will we'll take care. But they didn't want to move. The rest of the nation did not want to move on the two. They trusted the 10 instead. That just lets me know there's a lot of people that rather trust the bad news than trust the good news. A lot of people rather trust what, what, is, what they can see, what they can hear, taste, and touch. And what's the other one? I sense I messed up. Uh, uh, and, and smell. Rather than, than just believe God, what God says. You don't have to fight for your place. You don't have to. You say, well, I, you know, I just, I feel like I've been cheated out of certain things. You don't have to fight for it. Again, it's all by faith. You've already been seated at the table. God's already granted you the victory. You already have the dominion. You already got the free pass. Somebody say amen. It's time for us to operate in that faith. Amen? Freedom culture. Yes, it is July 4th, and there will be fireworks today from different places, and 
hot dogs and hamburgers and all kinds of sparklers and stuff like that, and it's fun. There's nothing wrong with celebrating that. I love my country, but I'm here to tell you, more than that, we ought to be reminded of the independence, the freedom that Jesus gave us 2,000 years ago. So I say amen to that.